I love to listen to interviews. I love to interview people. And on this episode of our podcast, I have the privilege of sitting across from my brother in Christ, Bob Callanan, who has also been a longstanding member of Hesper Baptist Church. But in particular, uh, Bob, I have uh, requested to sit down with you to chat a little bit about the recent role that you embarked on, uh, which we'll get to in a moment. But for those of us who don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you became a Christian, anything you want to say about your family, background, vocation, those types of things, kind of as a softball launch into this uh, this interview. Yeah, I was fortunate to be raised in um, a Christian family. Um, both my parents were first-generation Christians. Ah, I didn't know that. Um, and um, there was something that was very real about my experience growing up, um, watching my parents um, live out their faith. Um, I came to Christ at an early age. I almost can't remember <clears throat> not being a believer. I remember um, going through a real period of worrying about how I could be assured of my salvation, probably when I was like 11 years old, and um, and had the opportunity to chat with a couple of different pastors who weren't from our church, um, who happened to be uh, serving during summer ministry at our church, and, um, and they were really helpful in explaining um, what the gospel really said about being assured of one's salvation as an 11-year-old. So, uh, yeah, and then, you know, I, um, like 95% of everyone who grows up in Sudbury does, <laughs> I went to university and, sure. and never found my way back. <laughs> Got it. Uh, you're married. Anything you want to say on that front, marriage, family-wise? Yeah, I've, um, I've been married to Kendra for more than 40 years now, and uh, we have four children, seven grandchildren. We live in a bit of a unique arrangement. We live in a multi-generational house, mm -hmm. and so I get the opportunity to have coffee in the morning with, uh, with children, uh, in-laws. Um, I take grandkids to the bus at 7.15 in the morning. Catechize uh, them on the way. We, yeah, they, they're, uh, they're, they're accustomed to, when they don't want to be catechized, uh, they show up late for the bus so that they <laughs> can take their toast with them as they go. Got it. <laughs> well, in which case, you maybe play some Shy Lin or something <laughs> like that where they're still getting good uh, Christian content uh, on the drive, so... Uh, we know each other because we're members of the same local church and uh, have been for some time, although one of us for longer than the other. How long have you been uh, involved at Hespler, and what are some ways you've used your gifts in the local church over the years? Yeah, I, I went on that one just by the advantage of age. Sure. Um, I came to Hespler in 1980 when I came down to um, down south to go to the University of Waterloo. Um, uh, the pastor here at that time was a family friend from Sudbury, I actually, you know, lived in his attic uh, for one year. I think that was all that he could take. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I met my wife uh, through Hesper Baptist Church. Um, I've served as like the Rebel University student, uh, leader of senior high youth group through much of my late 20s and early 30s. Um, enjoyed teaching a senior high Sunday school class. Um, and since I've retired, I've really enjoyed working with Kendra uh, at HBC Kids uh, Kids Camp. It's been great to see you guys involved that way. And I think when I first showed up on the scene, you were in a long, deliberate march through the Book of Romans with high school students on a Sunday morning before the service as well. So I've 
Uh, I've certainly seen you uh, use your gifts in various ways. You mentioned that uh, in retirement, you've been serving in that one particular way. Uh, how recently did you retire? This has been short-lived. However, what has changed that dynamic in your life? And we'll start to get into what it is that you're doing right now and uh, main reason we're having this conversation. Yeah, I retired in, um, at the end of 2021. And, um, and it, it just recently, it's, it's coming up the end of this month, it'll be three months. I've, I've taken on, um, a position of service in the role of interim president at Heritage College and Seminary. Tell us how that came about. So you retired in 2021, you're three months into this role. Uh, tell us the story of how you wound up there. Is unexpectedly, um, sure. out of the blue. I was certain they were wrong. Um, I think, in fact, I know um, my exact quote when I first got the phone call was, I am certain that you've confused my name with someone else's resume. Okay. Um, and it was, what followed was a series of conversations with leaders of faculty, staff, and at the board level. And we mutually began to see an alignment of short-term need at Heritage and the skills and experience that, um, that I possessed. Much to my surprise. Much to your surprise. I remember when I first uh, heard about the potential of this, uh, my mind went to, I wouldn't have thought about Bob for that role. But when I understood the needs and your gifts uh, uh, in a very short mental thought period of time, I came to the conclusion, I can't think of anyone better. Mm -hmm. So that was how my very short journey went in my mind when I first uh, started hearing about this. Uh, why did you decide to take the role? Uh, so give us a little bit more detail, flesh that out a little bit more. You know, in a nutshell, the first the first thought that rolled through my head was I've seen the impact that Heritage has had on our church. Um, I've seen it in your ministry and Caleb's. Um, I, I get to watch and be blessed by the time that we had Brian Vatour with us, um, um, Josh and Ashley McGuire and their impact on ministering to children um, some of my grandchildren have benefited greatly there. Um, DJ and, and Jake as elder interns, and now Adam. Mm -hmm. um, Josh Lottograph, it, like, it just goes on and on sure. and on. Um, uh, Joanna Schoenmaker here at, 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 at camp and at NBC. And I, I think I, like, as I began to think about it, I went, I think I actually see before my eyes that our church is maturing and growing, and all glory is God's for that, but there's Part of what what, he, what God's using um, is the impact that heritage is having. And, and, and then I began to think, well, if that's true of our church, I'm only getting to see one small um, fraction of the impact potentially that heritage is right. having uh, across the province and maybe even worldwide. And as I engaged in the dialogue um, and prayed about it and talked to my family about it, um, I came to the place where I said to my family, if the leadership at Heritage asks me to do this, I don't know how I explain to the Lord, no, I can't. And it was interesting when I said that line to Kendra, she said to me, be very careful about the next words that come out of your mouth, <laughs> <laughs> which was good advice. That's excellent. Good. So you're seeing the value uh, you're bringing all of this before the Lord, right? You're like, you're living life quorum Deo before the face of God and understanding that you're going to give an account for how you use the gifts and how you use the opportunities that he, he brings along your path in God's providence. And you just want to respond to that faithfully. I really admire that. 
What's really interesting, Sean, is there was after the decisions made, maybe two or three weeks, one day, I had one of these moments where I went, oh, there's something that happened a number of years ago that I thought I understood what the Lord's hand was in it. And I've only come now to realize that there's another element to it. And I'm sure because he's infinite, there's many other elements of course. I can see. But I had planned to retire in at the end of 2019. I told the organization that I was working at that I would give them five years when I joined them in 2015. And um, my boss came along and said, would you give us two more years? And there were some specific reasons for it. Um, and both he and I thought that when you know, COVID hit in March of 2020, uh, and I remember, well, he wouldn't have thought that he's an atheist, um, but I remember thinking, oh, I can see the Lord's hand in this. I'm glad I'm with my team going through this very difficult period of time, especially with frail, vulnerable um, uh, seniors that we were responsible for in the organization I was with. And um, But the plan had been that I was going to retire at the end of 2019 and um, would have to go and do something to supplement income. Kendra and I were going to, we joked about taking barista jobs where you know, <laughs> she would be the front person and talk to people and I would do the work <laughs> behind the scenes where I didn't have to talk to people. And um, and that was the end of it. And it's about three weeks after I started Heritage, I go, oh my word, like I wouldn't have been available to take the call had I mapped out that plan. Interesting. And being available to take the call was part of what... Uh, caused me right away to say, yeah, I should consider this. Wonderful. It's amazing to, uh, it's easier to read God's providence in the rear view mirror, right? We can over under read providence in a, in the present and as we anticipate for the future. But when you can look back and you see one of the ways in which, you know, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, right? You look over the shoulder, you see it, you're seeing it in this particular way. And like you said, there are 10,000 plus reasons and ways that God is working that we're not privy to, um, but we can certainly trust him in. So, Tell us a little bit about what your role as interim president at Heritage College and Seminary entails. In the short run, and, um, and this is, again, shocking for someone who actually likes to be uh, introverted, it's meeting a lot of new people, <laughs> um, faculty, students, staff, active listening, um, kind of climbing a steep learning curve. Um, Caleb had given, when he heard I was, I was going there, he, he gave me or referred to me a copy of a book written by Jason Allen about his experience at Midwestern Seminary. And as I'm reading it on the first weekend, um, it says at the beginning of chapter seven, I think, um, no president of a seminary should have to go through accreditation in the first couple of weeks in the job. <laughs> and, and I laughed out loud and I've got it like written in the book, like this is too funny because that's exactly what happened right. at, at Heritage. And I remember, um, you know, saying to Dr. Barry Housen, um, when I was gearing up for it, you know, do I need to just kind of try and look smart and keep my mouth shut? Um, and Barry in his way smiled at me and slid a number of binders across the table <laughs> and said, you might enjoy this on the weekend. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad he did. Um, uh, but really my role is about, um, trying to build stability in systems and processes and teams, uh, where a lot of, um, instability and change has been the recent, recent experience for the teams there. I see my role in the present as, as, you know, kind of trying to bring tangible and visible, leadership and management services to support the leaders who come to work every day, seeking to support the faculty and staff 
it's been interesting, you know, not coming from an academic background, pretty quickly you come to understand the core reason for heritage happens at the interface between the teacher and the student. And I've been talking to the teams about saying, look, if we could figure out how to do this and we didn't need a president or any of the rest of us, we'd be dumb not to do that. Um, it appears that we're needed. We really should focus on what is it that we do that streamlines that teaching learning interface. Um, and um, just, you know, seeking to build um, an on-ramp as well that helps accelerate and improve the onboarding and the early performance of the next leader. As Christ-like leaders and the best leaders uh, understand, as you're articulating, your role exists to serve. Correct. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. What did you previously know about Heritage? And how has your perspective changed since you started serving in this role? What have you learned from staff, faculty, and member, aside from that dynamic of teacher, professor, student interface and the learning that takes place there? Yeah. I, in the first three to four weeks at Heritage, I found myself, everyone I was bumping into, I was confessing to them that one of the things I had to do over and over again was you know, repent to the Lord for the sin of taking heritage for granted. Mm. I, I kind of say this to my own shame. I didn't know much about heritage, and I did take it for granted. I mean, in my living memory, I've always known of uh, London you know, Baptist Seminary and, and Central Baptist Seminary and of heritage, but I just assumed that they were always going to be there. Right. Um, and I was oblivious to how much hard work goes into sustaining an institution um, like Heritage. Um, and it was really eye-opening for me to go, oh, there's, there's nothing that happens here, whether it's the teachers who teach, the staff who support them, or the students who make a decision to go there to study that doesn't happen without the movement of the Spirit. And it's, it's, um, it's fascinating being in a workplace where that's the truth. I mean, there's not a student who goes there who their non-Christian friends who are going to a secular school are saying, man, I wish I was doing what you're doing. They're more likely to sure. say, what a loser. Right. Right. Yep. And, um, and yet you're surrounded by all of these people who've um, been confronted and changed by the gospel and they're being changed by it daily. Um, and, you know, you get to interact with that. So um, I did not know that much about heritage. Mm. Okay. That's either me or you didn't do a good job. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I maybe I didn't. Maybe I've got some self-reflection to engage in uh, post-interview here. I appreciate your humility, Bob, though, in saying what you have about it just it existing, uh, seeing benefits from it in one local church, which would be true in other local churches. Um, and uh, and maybe that will um, provoke some reflection in others as they listen into this as well to uh, consider more deeply um, what is happening. Is there anything else that you would want everyone to know about Heritage College and Seminary based on uh, what you've seen and heard? Yeah, you know, for both the college students and the seminary students, um, the teachers are incredibly committed to faithfully unpacking truth. Praise God. That God has communicated in his word. It's solid, it's rigorous, it's academically sound. And I think this is so important in this day and age that we live in where broadly speaking, God's truth has been completely dispensed with um, in favor of foundations that we built on sand. Mm -hmm. And um, that, that to me is the most critical thing. I think for college students especially, the school is the first place where many of them start to test their faith outside their family and home church 
connections that, that they start to ask the questions in a real way about who am I, what do I believe. Um, I've met many students already who are extremely grateful. Uh, they decided to come to Heritage because of how it strengthened them in the faith. Um, and, and there's a sense of, uh, especially amongst the college students, a sense of community. Um, for all who spend any time on campus, they, they forge strong relationships. Friendships for life are built among those of like faith. I recall talking to one student who introduced me to a friend of his who's from British Columbia, and he said, I'm, I'm convinced that we will maintain a supportive relationship for life in what world would we have met even were it not for here. Sure. Wonderful. Heritage just recently celebrated 30 years uh, as God's people have relied on his power at work within them. What sort of effort has gone into seeing this milestone achieved? Yeah, I think it would be impossible for us to understand this side of heaven, hmm. um, how much effort has gone into achieving that. Um, I remember when I thought about um, the 30 years and I was thinking, I have be dozens and dozens of people. No, it's hundreds and hundreds of people. And then as I start to work my way through just um, data that's at my fingertips, I realize, no, it's thousands and thousands of people. It's people who we aren't even aware of who've supported it um, in prayer, people who've supported it in giving, uh, people who've supported Heritage by being part of the student body there, um, and, of course, the, the, the teachers. Um, and between Heritage and its, its predecessor schools, I mean, some of the teachers are people who... You know, growing up as a as a kid in a church, even they were they were names that were kind of synonymous with these people uphold the truth, and I, I think that commitment to, regardless of what um, shifts around out there, um, this place, whether it is um, big and has notoriety, or whether it's small and hardly anyone knows about it, this is what will be true, and this is what will be consistent. I think that's why heritage um, is still existing and why it's still relevant. Agreed, absolutely. Uh, on that note, just you know, reflecting on the thirty years, and I know that there's some uh, there's a there's a book in the works. I know there's a recent banquet, and uh, people were honored and those types of things. But as you drive onto the heritage campus, there are banners that hang from a lamppost along the driveway. If you go up to the upper lot, it says "For Christ and His Church." What do you believe has been, um, will be, or could be, um, the uh, the significance of heritage for the next thirty years? So, if you if you you're thinking through here here's how ways that I I'm able to see uh, perhaps a new like a new vantage point that you've been given. Uh, what do you believe the potential is? What happens if heritage is not there mm. for the next thirty years of Christ areas? Talk a little bit about that. What's yeah, the potential? It's it's, uh, it's funny you put it that way because I was thinking that oftentimes we best understand the positive by first turning and looking at the negative. Sure. And saying like if you know we we use that expression about um, you really don't know um, how to appreciate something until it's gone, and. Um, you know, what would the impact be on the church in Ontario if heritage had not been here over the last 30 years even? How many millions of hours of, um, you know, the of kingdom time might have been spent on other things like just trying to find pastors instead of having pastors um, uh, doing what they do within our churches? Um, you know, how many pulpits would be empty today? 
or mm. gone altogether with more church buildings converted into condos, like we've so often seen. Sure. Um, how many churches that have started in the last 30 years would never have existed? Right. Uh, these are all kind of relevant questions. I, I love how one of our board members was, and I were talking about this, and he said, how all of our lives would be so much less, our churches would be so much less, and so many lives would be so different if heritage didn't exist. This continues to run through my mind, causing lots of prayers of gratitude to God. Praise for all those who have served and sacrificed so faithfully, our executive leadership, faculty, staff, past presidents, um, hundreds of churches, thousands of congregants, churches and missions, all wonderfully blessed by the ministry of heritage. And I think, um, you know, as I, as I think about it, then turning to the future, the, it's almost like the, I, I see the, um, the base need as being where will the pastors come from to fill the pulpits that we know are empty today? Mm-hmm. Which Where, at time of recording, at least in fellowship churches only, is 37 churches looking for senior pastors. Yeah, what's the stat uh, uh, about um, the the average age of pastors? Where there's a number of them, right, that are that are within five to ten years of retirement. That's right. Yeah, for sure. I think the EFC Evangelical Fellowship of Canada published something recently. Um, that, uh, and we're like, when I say recently, within the last few years, we're now five years into their data. And so there's a significant portion of pastors who are close to, if not already at retirement age. So the trend is that, except for God's grace, the empty pulpit, empty pass route will get greater, worse before it gets better. And so there is a, there is a very significant need right now and growing on the horizon. Yeah, I um, and if you think about it, if we were just trying to make up for the status quo, yes, we recognize that we're not making nearly the impact into increasingly a post-Christian world that we ought to be making. That's right. Um, I mean, it's fascinating, both encouraging and humbling, to see the number uh, of of individuals who are from other countries mm-hmm. who are looking to Canada as a mission field. That's right. And, and um, in the middle of that need, uh, most mission fields don't have the kind of resource that we have here at Heritage. That's right. It was faithful, and, committed to God's word, uh, drawn theological uh, lines uh, in the sand to remain faithful to, which I'm so grateful for. But you're right, in, a, in an environment where you would be looking, we need to send people there to have something like this already in existence is enormous. I, I, um, I, you know, I love that that idea where our God is completely sovereign. He can do what he will. And yet he spoke to us and said, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And how will they call on him who they haven't believed? And how are they going to believe in him of whom they never heard? And how are they going to hear unless someone preaches? And how are they going to preach unless they're sent? And that to me in a nutshell um, is what heritage is about. If God has said, it's our duty and our responsibility to equip people to be able to do it. Um, that would, that's what heritage is there for. In the, in the week where I was trying to decide um, whether to take this on or not, just in my routine reading, I was working through Jeremiah, and there's this one section in Jeremiah where you know, God says, why are you guys listening to these false prophets? They haven't stood in my counsel. Um, and then he, you know, I think it's in Jeremiah twenty three eighteen, and 
Then later in verse 22, he says something, and it's kind of chilling when you think about it. He says, but if they had stood in my counsel hmm. and they had taken my word, the people might have heard right. and they might have turned. Right. And um, like we live in a society that needs people who stand in God's counsel. That's right. And we need that word to be spread and we need um, the, the spirit to do what it will with the word. And um, But our part is to make sure that that we're preparing that ground. And uh, you know, that to me, kind of rambling all over the place, no, no, is, what, is, is what heritage this is, is the about, potential. I think. Yeah, for sure. And the uh, imagining heritage not existing for the next 30 years removes uh, that training, that uh, potential, right, to raise up a generation of, of pastors, of uh, missionaries, of faithful church members uh, uh, who are serving in all sorts of different capacities. If that's not there, there's a there's a massive dearth. There's a huge hole there, especially with the theological uh, faithfulness and, and convictions and the academic rigor that you mentioned earlier, uh, which has uh, I've been very grateful to be a recipient of uh, as a student and a graduate of both the college and the seminary. And in a Canadian dynamic, there are a lot of people who have gone south of the border to pursue Canadian educa- uh, further education, seminary education as it is, I think that, and not all of them come back. Mm-hmm. And uh, we trust God's providence and sovereignty in those matters as well. But I can't imagine how much more of an exodus there may be if there wasn't a, a theologically faithful school in this province and in this country. And so, uh, yeah, I don't like to think about the prospect of Heritage College and Seminary not existing for the next 30 years, uh, given where we're at. And I love the. Uh, the uh, partnership mindset that exists with uh, faculty and staff um, in terms of the relationship between the local church. And so that for the church and hearing professors say things like, we want to see the church be as, as, as good as she can be, as equipped as she can be, as strengthened as, we, as, she, as, as she can be. I love the heart behind that, and I hear it and see it in all sorts of different iterations uh, throughout the, the, the organization, the institution that Heritage is, and uh, certainly in the things that I hear you say too, Rob. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, what ways can Christians and churches contribute to and support the ministry of Heritage today? You mentioned earlier that there was a lot of assumptions that you made about uh, the existence of Heritage, and, and so this is the opportunity to speak to some of those folks uh, who, were, who are maybe where you were, um, haven't had the experiences that you have, and so their perspective hasn't shifted, what would you say to them about here are ways that you can contribute to what God is doing in and through Heritage for the church that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ might be propagated in this country and around the world? Yeah, there's a number of ways, right? I think I think the first one is just get get better insight into what Heritage is. Uh, this, this is like drilling right home to that point. So if you're listening to this podcast, good job. You can start to check that box, but not quite finished. Yeah, this is really about awareness, right? Like, I mean, I, I'm a member of a church that's five minutes away, and I was oblivious. Um, I think that probably is on me a little bit, but anyway, we'll, yeah, not, I, <laughs> we'll come back to that. I'll, I'll wear it completely because uh, my obliviousness, if that's a word, started long before you were here. Okay, well, if uh, it makes sense, it's a word in my book. So. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think a big part of of the awareness piece is on heritage. We need to do a better job of talking to people who aren't necessarily um, students or going to be students about why heritage matters. Right. Call that the push strategy. But I do think there, but you know, Christians and churches can activate the poll lever. Um, uh, ask us about heritage. 
um, listen to us when we communicate, demand that we communicate more and better. Okay. Um, ask us, uh, you know, ask questions. It's, it's interesting. One of the, the best dialogues I've had in the first three months is just sitting down with people and saying, you know, why does heritage matter? What do you love about heritage? What do you hate about heritage? What would you change if you could? Sure. Um, and I think um, we ought to be open. Um, we have a stewardship to the churches, and so we ought to be open to the churches being able to say to us, um, hey, the, the, this partnership thing is a two-way thing, and you know, we would be better served if you were focused on the following things. Um, and oftentimes it's thinking about it in terms of, you know, here's what, what we love. Don't, don't you dare take this away. But here's some areas where you could be a bit more intentional. Here's some things you are doing that we don't value as much. All of that would be uh, helpful. I think, um, obviously, just the rem doing that will cause the churches and Christians to be more accurate and reflective in their content when they pray. Um, for heritage. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think um, I, I've purposed that I'm going to do into the future is at least once a year, I'm going to take a course, even if I check it out and audit it. Um, <laughs> and and the the content will be its own reward. But, yes. but that's only the kind of message. The meta message I want to kind of have happening behind the scenes is I'm going to make sure it's a different prof every time. Right, because I want to know who they are as people. I want to know sure. how I can pray for them. Um, I want to understand what a different group of students are like, and what's making them tick. I want them to be encouraged by, you know, a few old people coming in and taking courses <laughs> with them. Um, I mean, I think we. I remember, as a college student in particular, there was a neat dynamic to that. People who were at different stages, ages, and stages of life. And just in class discussions, conversations, uh, those were wonderful. So, yeah, even if, you know, you need to chicken out an audit and not take something for credit, you will add to the uh, experience for everyone in the room by virtue of your being there, yeah. which is how the body of Christ yeah. works, right? And, and and as you well know, the seminary, I mean, uh, I, I joked in the first few weeks I was there, it's like... I. I think the seminary doesn't exist. I can't find anyone. And I actually had to go to profs and say, would you email seven or eight of your students and ask them if they'd be okay meeting with me? Um, and sure enough, they exist. Um, but they're at this busy stage of their lives yeah. where uh, they're doing other things and they're coming into campus uh, to study and then they're getting out and they're not around a lot. So um, it is um, just getting involved. And I think you know, one of the things um, I think you'll see us do more frequently is try to find ways to make heritage more accessible to people who aren't students. Like, I've been asking a number of the profs, you know, if is there a top three list of if you were a student starting over, what three classes would you recommend Great someone take? And uh, we'll start to talk about that and people can, can tap into it. I think the other piece is just involvement. That, that, that involvement is kind of what I described in kind of attending there. Um, but it's also in us trying to start to think intentionally about what partnership with heritage looks like. And in a great partnership, both parties understand or think about what is it that we are expected to give and what should we be able to expect to receive in return and what obligations and accountabilities are we going to have to each other. Um, and I think finally our involvement with heritage 
should and will lead us to invest. Yes. Um, and it's, it's, um, it's horrendous. It's in the context of what we spend things on in churches. It's horrendously expensive to have someone go through heritage. It's been reassuring to look at what education costs in other sectors and go, it's actually a real bargain compared to what, <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. what the universities spend on mm-hmm. a per person basis. So it, those are the things I think that, um, you know, I think there's something about like the, 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 the parable of the sower when it, when it talks about the impact of the seed of the word in good soil and how it, it, it come, we're told, you know, that, that people who hear it, understand it, accept it will bear fruit with patience and um, we can expect 30, 60, 100 fold. And um, it's interesting to me in that passage, it doesn't say they they may bear few fruit. It says they will yes. bear fruit. And I think um, as I've thought about it, I went, oh, Jesus gave us the numerator. Like he said, it's 30, 60, or it's 100. Um, what's the denominator? It's really about us doing our job and effectively spreading the word person to person yeah. more and better. Yeah. And um, a whole generation of students coming out of heritage prepared to do that um, are are well equipped with um, the counsel of the spirit and with the word uh, to be able to achieve that. Wonderful. So to recap that, I'm hearing you say, just listen, pay attention to, to what heritage is saying, what they're doing, uh, ask questions you want to hear. And uh, there's this good iron sharpening iron dynamic, right? Where there's godly encouragement and godly criticism given and received, right? And I think we as churches would do well to listen to heritage um, and for questions to be asked of us, right, as well as ways that um, as, as local churches we can uh, support and contribute and Christians as well. So you want to listen, ask, uh, avail yourselves of what heritage is offering as far as courses go, and then investment, which is time, prayer, financial resources uh, to support the the uh, the contribution of Heritage College and Seminary for the betterment the blessing of the Church of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's good. Thank you. Uh, just the sort of uh, unless there's any other sort of comments or things you want to say that I've not asked about. Um, what would be uh, next? What's next for you? How interim is interim, and what's next for Heritage? Because interim means temporary. So uh, where are things at? How long do you anticipate being there? And then how can we thoughtfully pray about this next season while you're there and, and, and beyond. So if there's nothing else you want to say, answer those questions. If you want to say anything else first, go for it. Yeah. So, um, plans being what they are, um, (laughs) caution. Um, the, the plan is to be in this role for six to nine months. Mm -hmm. Um, the, um, the board will begin to search for a permanent president in January. Okay. Um, and um, if all goes well, uh, you know, we, we'd love to have someone in place who has a chance to get their, their feet in the ground um, well before the fall semester starts. Sure. So, um, you know, the uh, six months would take me through to April and mm-hmm. nine months would take me through to July. That's, that's kind of the, um, the time frame that we're, we're working with. Okay. And uh, what would be next for you? This has been a unexpected uh, where we began. This was not, you thought that they had confused your name and resume with someone else. Yeah. Uh, what do you anticipate this means for you, having experienced this new vantage, using your gifts in a very different environment than what you have for your career? 
Uh, what do you anticipate that that means for Bob Callan and I th- Kendra too? I think if this hadn't have happened, I'd have been much more bold to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Fair but enough. There, it would be really naive for me to go. Oh, I know what I know what it is because I uh, I honestly did not see this coming. Well, we make our plans. The Lord directs our steps, right? right, right. As this is uh, right. an indication of. I'm I'm intrigued. You know, um, after we had uh, Brad Buser here in the missions conference. There was something he said that stuck with me, and I can't get it, where he talked about a group of the guys his age um, saying, we're going to be earners until we drop. And we're going to, because and he said it, for, in his context, it, it feels ridiculous that we identify people who are going to go in the mission field, and then we tell them to spend half their time or more raising funds. Um, and I think there's something there, there, uh, around figuring out, like, for those of us who... Um, are through a career, um, you know, it's interesting. One of the themes in my mind as I, as I took this was to make sure that I was mindful of not tackling something because I felt like I needed to build bigger barns. Hmm. Um, I, I, uh, the Lord's been, um, in, in, you know, gracious and my needs to my family and my society are met. Um, if I'm counting up with income tax, they're more than met. Um, mm-hmm. And and um, I think there's something about taking um, the health and energy that I have, Kendra has, and trying to figure out, you know, how do we use that in such a way that um, we can more directly benefit the kingdom? And I don't know what that means. Sure, exactly. sure. Well, I, I love the posture, though, and. And uh, I, I appreciate hearing Brad say that recently, right? And and how are we going to contribute uh, to the work of God's kingdom at different ages and stages of life? And with respect to money, I can't remember if I heard this from Randy Alcorn or whether this is John Piper or both. Uh, there was a, a, a book of essays written in honor of John Piper and Randy Al- Alcorn wrote one of them and his topic was on uh, financial resources and uh, two phrases uh, of his, well, three actually that really stand out to me is that we want to increase our standard of giving, not living. Uh, you know, the, the, the pipes through which um, the, the, the resources God gives to his flow, they, they don't have to be gilded with gold and platinum and they can, copper will do, right? So that, that's, that's sufficient. And, uh, and then I, maybe this is a phrase of one of theirs that sometimes the Lord chooses to give millions to people because they let it run through their fingers, right? And so those are all different considerations as well. And and sometimes people are very gifted uh, at doing that. And that's one of the ways that those members of the body contribute to the whole. There's also different gifts that God gives to us as well. So you have a, a different set of gifts than I do, Bob. And uh, I, I learn from you just by seeing how you conduct yourself at Heritage and also in our local church. And and I'm, I'm helped and strengthened by that. And so you have a gift set that also can be used in different ways. And I'm very curious uh, to see how it is that the Lord uses you and your wife, um, but also what this will do in the life of heritage um, as we uh, look with great interest to how he might be pleased to use that institution for the glory of his name and the furtherance of the gospel. So. Thank you so much for joining me, brother, giving your time your most precious commodity. And I hope this has been very helpful to you as a listener, uh, just to appreciate where Heritage is at, ways that you can engage with the school, ways you can pray for the school. And uh, hopefully this has, at the very least, uh, provoked you to think about uh, the existence of Heritage and being more grateful for what the school does and uh, paying much more attention 
uh, as things move forward. So thanks for joining us.